0: This episode is brought to you by Liquid IV. Guys, if you don't know what Liquid IV is, we'll buckle up because I'm gonna throw you a game changer. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier that not only tastes great, but is a non-GMO electric light drink mix. love it won't be disappointed so please give it a shot and get more fuel for life's adventures now back to the show Greetings and salutations, all you beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of Art of the Beholder, a show dedicated to all things eclectic in the world of arts, where we do deep dives into deep cuts and help you understand why damn things matter. I'm your host, Novo Day, and today we're going to be talking about art and television, focusing on HBO's dark comedy, Barry. To hash it out, we're joined by our favorite assassin. That's right. Miss Marie the Miracle Parsons is back with us today. Welcome back to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me again.
0: I I want to start uh, the show here. I have had the hardest time finding a lot of people in my orbit that have gotten into Barry. What? How did how did you get there?
1: I agree. I've been having the the same experience with that. Um I don't know. Oh, my gosh. I think I was just browsing HBO.
0: Oh, so it was just complete happenstance. Like, you were just like, oh, I guess I'll give this a shot. And then, like, you fell in love, like, Snowball?
1: Yeah, exactly. It was, I huh. mean, I, I've always enjoyed Bill Hader. I think he's super talented performer. I had no idea he wrote and directed and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I kind of was taking a shot.
0: And here we are, right? Because, yeah, that, that was my reasoning. So I'm, a, I'm an old soul. If you haven't guessed that yet. And uh, I, I, I have always loved and consistently watched Saturday night Live since I was like a little boy. Like I've always liked comedy and stand up and I've always gravitated towards uh, uh, sketch comedy, the probably the most. And, and, well, I would say number one is stand up. Close second is is sketch comedy, and Saturday Night Live has always been uh, kind of a beacon for a lot of the 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 humor and things that I've I've gravitated towards. And Bill Hader has always been a such an underrated gem, not only yes. of that show but yes. of just of the craft of of performing, right? Absolutely. So let's tell the good people why. Why are we talking about buried today? Because just like uh, us kind of talking about getting into the show there's really nothing quite like Barry mm-hmm. and on I think on the surface you know if someone saw the first episode of the first season they're like oh this is just I've, I've seen a million shows that are just like this and that's that's the beauty of Barry is once you really get into it you see that it's it does really though it has parts that of course overlap with a lot of different kinds of shows like it it really is its own animal, an entity. I agree, and uh, and here's why. So, even though I build it as a dark comedy at the at the top of the show, and it it it's fascinating because most shows they will start a little more dramatic. And maybe through time, get a little more silly or comedic. Whereas, as Barry did the complete opposite, it started as more of a dark comedy, but as it evolved and as it got. More And as we went down this rabbit hole, it became more and more serious. It became much more dramatic. And by the end, it was really like an ensemble crime drama with deep existential questions. And, but it was the, and then again, the beauty of the show again is it was still punctuated by these like elements that it started with these comedic undertones and accents before concluding, So in essence, it essentially inverted the paradigm of how a lot of shows evolve, and that's Barry. So we're really excited to discuss all things Barry with you guys today, but before we do, of course, we all need a little background. So Barry was created by Alec Berg and, of course, already stated Bill Hader. It premiered on March 25th. 2018 it ran for four seasons consisting of 32 episodes and concluded on may 28th 2023 it stars bill Hader, steven root sarah goldberg glenn fleshler anthony kerrigan henry winkler Sarah Burns and Robert Wisdom it's been nominated for a large number of primetime and PCA Emmys winning nine thus far as well as an American Film Institute Award Critics Choice Award a Directors and Writers Guild of America Award a Satellite Award a Peabody a Cinema Audio Society Award Hollywood Critics Association TV Award, and an American Society of Cinematographers Award. So there is a lot to discuss, but uh, before we get there, we're going to take a little break. We'll be right back, guys. This episode is brought to you by novella Adulteration. Follow adult entertainer Jessica Amberstar as she embarks on a journey that will change her life forever. She not only finds herself in the industry, but figures out a way to transform herself and eventually become reborn. Find out how in Adulteration, which can be found on Amazon in both paperback and ebook, available now. Now back to the show. Okay, Ms. Parsons, I have another question for you. Yeah. To... Start the discussion. I don't know how this isn't more popular. That it's actually been built in in kind of the vein of us saying like how we got into it, and more more importantly, how we've noticed not a lot of people in our orbit, or you know the friends in our lives, or their families in our in our life, have really got into it. But it's had incredible critical, incredible and critical acclaim, and it's actually been dubbed by some critics as one of the best television series of all time. Yeah. Are we just are we just uh, early to the party and everyone's late?
1: Yeah, I think so I'm going to be This is what my feeling is hearing you talk about it. And I'm going to sound elitist here.
0: Ooh, sound elitist. Uh, uh,
1: but we're, we look at things like on an artistic bent, right? That's why we're talking. And especially, I mean, you're doing these deep... I'm assuming you're the same way when you watch a show and you listen to music. There's some dissection going on, obviously. Obviously, you just broke it down, you know? And I think that the average TV watcher or whatever streamer kind of wants that that basic formula, they crave Mm. it. And I think that if the boat is They want is something rock,
0: easy and not challenging.
1: Correct. And I think, and I'm oh God, I'm totally generalizing, but I think that if the boat is rocked too much and it makes them think a little too much, some people are just like, no. Like
0: turned off, like I'm out. Yeah. Like F this, I'm out.
1: Because I really think this is like great art. Like this is why we're talking about this. And I just don't think that, I'm not saying that people don't have the ability to dissect it. I just feel like a lot of people don't want to you know Mm -hmm. and i have a client another client who a lot of the stuff you know we a lot of my at work you know i'll ask clients like what are you watching or you know just small talk and a lot of the stuff she watches is very light i
0: I get it too it's just i want i i it's it's we are—you're uh, speaking my language because we are—we're people that want more and want to be challenged. Yep. And there's uh, for for you good people listening that maybe are not like that. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. Sometimes people just want a little escapism, but I know there's a whole community of people just like us, Miss Miss Parsons, that want more. And I think that's—I think it's here's my theory, and I'm—I'd love to hear yours. I think give it another few years, maybe five. At the worst, ten, and people are going to be like, "Fucking Barry, man, where's yeah. this been my whole
1: life?" <laughs> exactly. And why is it getting accolades? The people that rate these shows and judge them and blah blah blah, like they're all schooled in in dissecting and you know analyzing and and like, I'm not saying this is true art compared to The Big Bang Theory. Or I mean, I'm not here to judge that. Yeah, I am. But- it is. Yeah. <laughs> it is, i mean it is so meaty there's so much there and i mean i feel like i could watch this series multiple times and always find more stuff you know
0: absolutely so let's uh, that's a good segue to tell the good people what it's all about so from here on out i'm going to say probably spoilers from here on out so if you haven't seen the show uh go ahead and pause pause right here go see the show come back if you don't care then um then come down the rabbit hole with us and if you're somewhere in the middle, uh, maybe you've seen a little bit, a little bit of it. Uh, tough titties. You're probably going to get spoiled here pretty soon. <laughs> so let's. Uh, we're going to talk narrative first, as we do on uh, on these kind of pieces. And we're going to start with uh, story characters, and of course, the arcs of those characters. And if you don't, if you're com- if you completely don't know. Nor care. Never going to see the show. I'm going to give you guys a quick synopsis. So the basic premise of the show allows us to follow the titular title character, Barry, of course, uh, who we first meet working as a hitman, but stumbles into the world of acting. And he not only falls in love with the craft, but also with one of his fellow classmates. And that is when we see that he finds trouble when his past catches up with his future. Much like the intro suggested, every season kind of evolved into something more dramatic and it kind of turned into more of an... Ensemble cast feature like Barry became a little smaller as we got to the fourth season, and I kind of I want to kind of start there. I want to I want to begin with the end, so to speak, because that fourth the fourth season we should tell the good people if you didn't already know was almost completely or at least helmed by Bill Hader. Like every every episode was directed, he was the lead writer. Of course, he was um starring he, had, he still had the starring role but we saw so ma- so many more of the characters come to the fray and this was this fourth season not that the first season was not artistic it just it was like by comparison it was a completely different show in terms of cinematography and feel and look and the use of psychology and all the tricks that a filmmaker has to bring his vision to life and not only make it something entertaining, but very tastefully artistic.
1: I had no idea that he wrote and directed that whole season. Almost.
0: Yeah. He, he would, he would direct like one or two episodes here and there, like the very, very first episode he directed. And, uh, he would also help to, to write a lot of the shows, uh but this one he did like i mean of course <laughs> that makes it sound like he did did it by himself in his like office or something <laughs> no he had editors and you know there was a full film crew just like a movie but he just helmed you know he really took charge and i feel like it 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 had it by the end it was a kind of a we had a there was a different vibe
1: i agree with that and it did it did get i mean the whole thing has dark undertones but it It did have a much different vibe Um, because the season started out with them being in the desert, right? Him and Sally and or that ended season three, right?
0: Ended season three. Yeah, we get a flash forward and we learned that they are now fugitives on the run. But the most fascinating part is that we learned that they have a little boy together, which completely changes again the paradigm of the the narrative of the conflict in the story it's not only between barry and sally uh against someone like fuchs and kind of gene kusinau in a mm-hmm. way and of course the the glue that held it all together no ho hank <laughs> but um it yes it it created a brand new uh element to the already kind of very thick plot by now you oh, know yeah. Uh, and so, why don't we go through talking about the story through the characters? I think that may be an easier way to do it. So let's start, of course, with Barry. Uh, I I think I'll I'll tee you up with this next segment with a with a question for you mm-hmm. to to narrow. So when we first meet Barry, he's lost. He's looking for his purpose. He talks about that time and time. This is a reoccurring, ongoing motif. Mm-hmm. He wants to find his purpose. Yeah. Do you feel like he ever found his purpose?
1: Oh, boy. I mean, I think that... Don't
0: lose any sleep about
1: it. Right. No, I mean, because I think that he found redemption in, an, in a weird way because... Um, There was a theme of forgiveness and like redemption. And then in the last season, there was like, you know, he became kind of like a born again and vowed he would never kill and all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, I guess it's how you, uh, what you describe as a purpose. So I don't, I mean, I'd say yes. I think whether it's through this idea of redemption or his son living on and living, moving. Yeah living a peaceful life even though Barry was gone um, so i'd have to say yes
0: i absolutely agree and you actually and and in terms of my opinion nailed it on the head when you said his son because i think his purpose in life was to and a lot i think a lot of parents feel this way you know my purpose in life was to 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 have children and and raise them to be the best person they could be and we get little hints of who his son is as a character, even though we only get to know him through one season, that uh, Sally says this you know, to him and the audience, he's a good person. So in my eyes, Barry's purpose was fulfilled when he took all of the chaos of him going through the war and becoming a hitman and trying to change things only for trouble to find him over and over again. And a lot of his doing, for the record, barry and this is a segue to the next thing i wanted to talk about in terms of who barry is as a character but in terms of his purpose it was very much fulfilled through having this wonderful wonderful little boy that he not only got to raise to be better than him he got to care for and then we late we get to see later that his destiny is fulfilled i want to switch gears to Yes, the how we know the characters as the audience versus how the characters look in terms of the narrative, you know, because by the end, the end, everything gets, you know, the stories get mixed and messed up and you know and by the end barry is glorified as a hero that was like manipulated by gene when we all know that that barry was essentially the villain and i want to start there because you know he's often billed as like an anti-hero like the more i researched this the more I saw comparisons to like Breaking Bad and Walter White. And I disagree, actually. I don't think he's a Walter White because Barry, here's the thing, and I, I, if you're a big Barry fan, anybody listening, you may actually hate this statement. Barry was a villain from the beginning. He was already a hitman. Walter White had to go down this, this long path to become the evil person he became, Heisenberg, right, mm-hmm. in that example. Barry was already a murderer before we even met him as the audience. He was always the villain.
1: Yeah, I I somehow have more empathy for Barry than Walter White. And I don't know if that's my twisted mind.
0: And that's the beauty of the writing. So because there's so many comedic things in the show, Barry is written to be likable. And because he's kind of funny and he's kind of a goof and, you know, all these like kind of silly things or absurd things happen around him, he's very sympathetic and you empathize so much easier than someone like Walter White but the reality of his character is he was never a hero or an anti-hero he was already the villain just like at the end of season 1 he's like okay i'm no more killing and like the the season actually ends with him saying like starting now cuz he had just killed uh Gene Cousineau's lover but here's the kicker he always would go back to his old behavior like something would happen and he was killing again he was a hitman again he would like he would just keep going through the motions and the loops and he never really could get past that and and by the end i think it's hinted at but then uh, then of course spoilers gene kills him so we don't we don't we don't get to we don't get to see if that would ever actually play out so that's probably another good question is do you think he would really turn himself in at the end? Or do you think he would do what he's done pretty much through the whole show and reverse action at the last minute?
1: When I was watching it, I thought he was going to turn himself in. I thought that was actually going to happen and that was going to be the end of the show. But as we know with Barry, like that was too predictable. So, um, But I do think that if it was, I think he would have turned himself in or he would have gotten himself killed in a different way whether it was from gene or yeah he could have maybe gone back to that life
0: so you think he was gonna turn himself in i respectfully disagree with you miss parsons because he's he's been all talk for four seasons he's like okay i'm gonna change and then he never does
1: i think yeah and i see that and i agree with that aspect but i think where my personal view on my sympathy for his character comes from and the difference if we're going to compare him to walter white is that barry had some deep-seated ptsd and mental health issues that unless he was going to get address those
0: that's not an excuse
1: well no of course it's not an excuse but i think i'm saying i guess coming from my sympathy for the character that it. I don't think that he was going back to killing every time because he wanted to. I think that there's just so much fear and like mental disorder in him.
0: So you think part of his mental illness is to blame that he if he would have got the right help he so desperately deserved, he probably wouldn't have gone through these cycles again.
1: Absolutely. And the acting was a... uh, it was sort of a release for like the mental health stuff. He was able to outlet and express himself, but the real evil, not, uh, the real like rage inside of him is when like he went off on Sally in her office when she had that TV show and those few times of insanity, that pure mental insanity that we saw come out of him. I think that was kind of raging in him the whole time.
0: Oh, I agree with that. That's kind of oh, yeah. just
1: the vibe. No, like somebody like Walter, I th- I guess that's why it's easier for me to sympathize with Barry because I don't think he wanted he really wanted a normal life.
0: And we see we see glimpses of that too, you know, but I think maybe to make your maybe to make that noodle scratch a little more, why didn't as soon as Gene resurfaced, why didn't he just ignore it then? He could have just still stayed hidden.
1: But it's once again that fear that was so strong that led him to think if Gene exposes you, all this is going away again. And like, he was never going to be at peace really until he was dead, unless he got like major, major therapy.
0: Good interpretation. Let's, let's speed up to, to talk about Gene now, since, since uh, we're kind of already talking about the, the inner dynamics of, of Barry and Gene Cousinow, who was uh played by Henry Winkler. And this was throughout the run of the, sh- uh, you know, four the purposes of this podcast he was barry's teacher his acting dramatic teacher but my question for you though is uh, was was gene just in killing barry at the end
1: i mean i would say i don't fe- i feel like gene was on the verge of a mental breakdown throughout most of the show so i think a lot of it was probably prompted by his mental instability But I feel like there was also a desperation of, like, if this guy lives, like, we're all at at risk. Because, like you said, Barry kept going back and going back. And every time he said he was going to change, his words really meant nothing. So somebody had to stop him. So, yeah, I think I'd have to say yes.
0: I agree 100%. That's how I interpreted it. Because Gene was kind of like the audience in a way. Like, we were the only we're the only people that could see the real Barry. And even though it seemed like just, you know, time and time again, he's ready to turn a new leaf at the last second or last minute, something would happen. And he kind of go back to these old behaviors and Gene, he had to end it. It's just like, you know, uh, we're for the people that haven't seen Barry, they may, have, we, you know, we always use illusions and analogies. If you've ever seen the film Un cut gems with adam sandler it kind of plays out a lot of the same way and i um if you haven't seen that film i won't i won't ruin it for you so no spoilers here but uh if for those people that have seen it you can kind of see how those characters mirror each other when a character is compulsive and they can't stop and their actions always speak louder than their words And sometimes, in the case of Barry, the only way to stop him, we tried to stop him with jail time, prison time. That didn't work. Gene had to kill him. And that's where, you know, let's take the pin out now. That's where I think the narrative is so fascinating because to the audience, like I already said, Barry was the villain. So who was the hero? That would be Gene. Gene saved everyone from the chaos that Barry could bring into the future right he saved he kind of saved him from sally saved him from how he could have affected his son as he got older because when we see that flash forward they're doing fine sally's a teacher his son's in high school just living a normal life being very you know happy healthy regular you know the rest goes on kind of thing but in the narrative it's completely backwards barry is the hero and how he is portrayed in the film. And Gene is the villain. Right. And I think that says more about how media like that was, I fa- I thought, fascinating commentary about how media and we still see this to this to this day, how Hollywood really manipulates the truth in historical events for their own entertainment purposes and to make money. Like what's 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 going to work the best instead of what's more important the, the money and the power and the prestige or the truth in Hollywood seems to always go in one direction.
1: Yeah. And like the younger guy, you know, he's going to that was the war hero. He's going to typically be painted as the hero um, in the in a Hollywood film.
0: There's a propaganda element, I guess, is what I'm hinting at. And I we still see this in in filmmakers and uh definitely hollywood to this day there there's sometimes an agenda that they're hinting at or most times
1: i would say most times Um, i think there's a lot of programming that goes on in hollywood and that could be time for another conversation (laughs) (laughs) another day uh, another day but i have to argue a little bit again with your statement that buries the villain of the show because oh why
0: why do you disagree i love i love i don't know
1: I mean, that's the thing. Like, I feel like, I think that the way the show ended with that flip on Barry being the hero, I think the statement, and I could be wrong, so I say I don't know, the statement that maybe the writers were trying to make is that life is so ironic, and a lot of things are about perspective. And did they ever, I mean, I'm just curious as if we got the whole of the writers today. Was he the villain? You know, like, was, or was he a victim? Was he a victim to war? Was mm. he a, And the way they presented the film, I think that was probably what you're saying With it was a Hollywood take on it. The irony, right? But were, are they also trying to point out the irony of life?
0: But he still wouldn't be the hero then, right? He would still be the victim. I don't know. So if he's not the villain and he's not the hero, or or if he's not the villain, you know, sometimes... Yeah, we would want to paint him as the hero, just like they did in the film. But in with your interpretation, he was only a he was a lot of a product of a circumstance and being a victim of of yeah, PTSD, going through the hell of war and the psychology that comes with it. And he should have been rehabbed properly, and that is maybe the true villain of the story is that he didn't get the treatment he so desperately deserved
1: and i'm not i mean i'm also not a i'm not completely opposing the idea that he's a villain either i think that in life or in in writing and all this like it's all about your perspective and i feel like as humans one day we can feel villainous and sometimes we can feel heroic and that's kind of what I loved about the show is that emotionally, it—I don't know—it just like kind of it mirrors.
0: I, I like I kind of like your interpretation of like we don't have to you know do what I'm doing, which is like fine point. You know, say this person's this per this thing, right. this person's that thing. That it, they they can all be interchangeable th- depending on perspective, just like how it is in real life.
1: And typically in traditional drama, like uh, back in the I think it was Aristotle or whoever. Coined, like there's always an antagonist and a protagonist then mm. like straight you know where like the way but i think that's why people go, to go back to what we we're saying in the beginning well a, a lot of people didn't gel to the show is because i think it pushed the boundaries on on what is what
0: so then we will uh we will put the ball in the listeners court what do you guys think do you think barry is the villain or the victim or something else we would love to hear from you um but uh before we do that i think we need to give some love to the rest of the cast because this was still supported by the characters monroe monroe fuchs played by steven root of course sally reed played by sarah goldberg and um i think everyone's probably sleeper hit favorite No Ho Hank. The uh (laughs) the comedy relief through much of oh there was a lot of comedy through throughout it, but it was punctuated by Noho Hank in his very silly take on a on a gangster uh played by Anthony Kerrigan. I, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on someone like Fuchs. You know, I do kind of there is a little bit of existentialism we could we could talk about, like we did with someone like Barry and Gene Cousinow because there was a part of me that's like, what was Fuchs looking for? You know, every, Mm -hmm. everybody had some pretty logical arcs or very thought provoking arcs. And I only feel like I realized what he was looking for by the end. You know, he was looking for himself, you know, identity. And um, most importantly, in terms of Barry himself, because for you guys that may not know this Fuchs was at one time, like a mentor, barry he was essentially the manager you know he would set up the deals the hits and then barry would would carry them out and when that relationship was tarnished i thought for for a lot of his character arcs i thought for a long time you know he was just looking for like an apology Mm -hmm. and to be forgiven um, until probably close, pretty much the last episode where I realized, oh, he's also looking for himself.
1: Yeah, that was very prominent. With, was it the Raven? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was great, though.
0: <laughs> well, what's great about him becoming the Raven is, you know, this was this was Noho Hank like just making up bullshit to the cops, being like, oh, yeah, the person that did this was an assassin named the Raven. Oh, no, And it was Hank just made up, up- yeah, it was made up nonsense. Oh,
1: I forgot. And that. then okay. and
0: then Fuchs like kind of found out about this Raven moniker and he just kinda of took it. But then it was crazy to see how like of a badass he became. Yeah, yeah. Because he really did become the Raven. Yeah. In a way.
1: He like rose up from the ashes of like getting his ass beat in jail like every other day. And it really hardened him and I have to say Stephen Root is a phenomenal actor. I'm a huge fan.
0: He's such like a, talk about a character, actor, actor. Yeah. You know, like he can play any kind of guy like this, like so well too.
1: And he's just so honest. I just, I love his, I don't know, he's great.
0: Yeah. Just to think like, you know, this was the guy from uh, Office Space and I believe he was in Talk Radio. Talk Radio. That's a deep fucking cut right there. Oh, that shit's awesome. yeah, and to see him just kind of, you know, he's played, he's kind of been in and out of movies and television. Like he's had a very wide-ranging career and it's like only getting better. And uh, you know, he's more of a veteran where someone like Sarah Goldberg is a little more new who mm-hmm. played Sal- Sally Reed, uh Barry's love interest on the show. And at first I thought she was like, "Oh, she, you know, at the beginning, like the first season, I'm like, anybody could fucking play mm-hmm. Sally Reed. But by the end, wow. again, yeah, she was Holy bringing shit.
1: it. Unbelievable. She actually studied at London Ac- Academy of Dramatic Art. Ooh, I so didn't know she is no joke. I mean, she's got some major training under her belt and she's a legit actress. So I'm a huge fan now.
0: I'm a huge fan. Like yeah. when she would do those like screaming outbursts, I was like, whoa. whoa. Oh my
1: God. And you can just like feel feel like the instability, like coming through the TV, you're like, oh, yeah, this is like it so
0: reverberated kind of thing. And last but not least, uh, everyone's favorite comedy relief. Ho Hank played by Anthony Kerrigan. This was probably the hardest arc to really think about. I was like, what did Hank want? And then, you know, we saw we saw poignant glimmers of that near the end. He wanted security and he wanted to feel safe and he wanted to be in a stable relationship with his with his partner. But I, you know, as much as he wasn't as flushed out as the other characters we've already talked about, he really became very, very three dimensional. I think at the end again, that season four, I feel like really not only tied up so many loose ends, it really, it really made the cast three-dimensional on a whole, on a brand new level. And because as much as he wanted those things, you know, st- security to feel safe, stable relationship with his partner, we realized that his empire was more important. Mm-hmm. That he he went ahead and killed his partner to maintain the stability of his empire.
1: Did he kill, see, I was talking to a friend of mine who, one of my friends that actually watched the show, um, and she we were talking about that scene, and she's like, yeah, and he killed, um crystal ball and i'm like no he didn't he didn't kill crystal ball. he
0: ordered the hit is how i
1: how understand we know? It. oh i'm i probably missed some of that
0: he ordered the like he didn't personally kill him no i think he called his you know his goons his 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 fellow gangsters to to actually do it there's no way NoHo hank could actually kill crystal no
1: ball. i know but like from what I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, they got into the argument and then they, um, he's like, I got to leave. I can't be with you. Anymore. Yeah, I can't
0: do this anymore. He tries to leave and, and he's like warning him. He's like, no, like, you know, too much. Like this is this is going to end bad. And yeah, I guess I mean, I guess how I interpret it, I guess it may come down to that again. I feel like he felt like he had no choice. That's how I looked at it. Like he ordered the hit. But of course, his his goons, his minions carried it out because that would have that would have destroyed everything that he helped build.
1: Yeah. um, But I thought, yeah, I just didn't know. I guess it doesn't matter.
0: I think what's more important, you know, don't don't get bogged down in those details. I think what was more important and more poignant to me was the reality that he could that he himself couldn't face that reality Mm -hmm. that he because Fuchs at the end was like, I will you know, new deal. I will, I'll walk away. I'll walk away right now. If you can just admit that you killed your partner and then he has a breakdown, right? yeah. Because he, I think that, you know, regardless of how it's done, you know, with what you were talking about, regardless of how he still feels responsible and he couldn't, you know, when he was forced to face it, that was essentially the beginning of his own demise.
1: Yeah, he was starting to crumble,
0: and that's when the 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 firefight broke out. Like he he's like, "No deal, you're a liar," and then uh, Fuchs shoots him. Do
1: you think that was a form of suicide for Hank? I mean, yeah. Hank.
0: Ooh, I don't. I don't think so. I think you know. I think Hank still wanted his empire. He still wanted what he built. He still wanted his fancy fucking green suits oh my god awesome uh his long chain hats um (laughs) and uh and yeah no i think he yeah i think he still wanted that stuff i you know i I don't he probably didn't think that that fuchs is going to pull out a gun right then and there especially because they were they had guns on each you know they had a whole team of of gangsters on either side with guns out like he Mm -hmm. knew that this was going to start a a huge firefight and it did
1: and one more comment about hank i think if you're talking about greek drama which we're not but i mentioned it before um he kind of is like the clown you know oh yeah like there's an element of him that's like every time you see him like he's got these bright outfits on and he's just jovial and of course in the end that wasn't the case but
0: i loved how he was played yeah he was like he's a cool dude you know, i've never
1: he's... seen <laughs> that's good i've never seen anthony kerrigan in anything else i have to follow him a little bit he was great I
0: yeah i think this i he's from what i've researched he's been in and out of of the industry for a while but this was like you know his big like a big starring role like a almost like a breakthrough you know mm-hmm. where i i think we'll be seeing a lot more of anthony oh, kerrigan yeah. Absolutely. and um it's fun i i actually urge you to just look up like an interview with him like on you know a Mm -hmm. late night show because if he's he's american he sounds just like us and it's funny because you get so used to that fake chechen accent he does
1: that you just think
0: he just sounds like that all the time and you're like oh oh this guy's an actor he's actually american and sounds nothing like it and it like it kind of like I, I always liken it to the first time I saw a Game of Thrones character in regular clothing, like out of character, uh, like on, on yeah. Fallon or something. I'm like, oh God, they're a real per <laughs> they're a real person in real life. That just feels That's just when weird. you know
1: the show's good or the actor's good, it just really pulls you into that reality.
0: Exactly. And I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about um some of the ins and outs of Film making, but i i would do the show a little bit of a disservice if we didn't touch on some of the things and that includes direction cinematography editing pacing and of course music so the glue that makes any television or film come together is all those little pieces besides the story and the characters though the those though the latter was much more important for a show like this but the direction was i think it was subtle and I, I think it was more complicated than we realize, you know, and there was a long, a lot of long held shots. And this is probably more because of Bill Hader's style of directing where we would just kind of hold, you know, and that would make you really have to have to face the emotion that was, you know, like it would never cut away from Sally having a breakdown or him having a breakdown, you yeah. know, or things like that. We would, we were, we were face to face with it. And that's a, that's a dur- direction choice of course and then of course just the look of the show cinematography it looked i think again i there's so many times like i felt like it looked kind of you know medium just like so so in the middle you know but it i think we don't realize how many how much more thought and pre-thought went into blocking these scenes and making it look the way it looked especially the again season four i think really brought it together with the artistic value and its integrity of seeing like his son running you know past a, a sunset and you know like choosing it to be that way versus the other things and there's so many times like i couldn't tell like is this going on in their head is this really especially like with sally and like that man in the black yes. outfit oh like, my god what is, <laughs> is this real is this going on in her head like what where what is you know, how are things beginning? You know, where does something begin and the other thing end?
1: And yeah, that, well, that whole the episode before, I guess it's the last episode before season four left. It left me hanging, not knowing was this a dream or was this a fantasy? Because, the, yeah, they all of a sudden were seven years ahead in a desert with the sun. But the episode before she goes into her apartment and he's escaped from jail. And she goes, Barry, let's go. We don't know if she meant let's go to jail. I'm take turning you in.
0: Yeah, when they did the time jump, I was I I think I I definitely felt that way. I bet all of the audience mm-hmm. felt that way. Like, wait, what just happened? Yeah. Like, where are we? Who is this person? And then we we later find, you know, we find out the truth. And uh and that's probably where the editing and the pacing comes in, where I felt like it was always entertain like there I feel like there was never any thing that it never dragged Mm -mm. and never it never felt rushed either though too i felt like the four seasons was like a perfect perfectly encapsulated the story they were trying to tell with these characters you know i felt i felt satisfied you know by the end so let's tie a bow on this b and uh miss marie tell the good people why they need to check out barry god damn it
1: because it's awesome man um,
0: that's it. Okay, see you next week. It's <laughs> awesome, man. No,
1: it's at like kind of if you touch on a little bit of everything we said, it's entertaining, it's it makes you think, but not I don't think too much. Um, the acting's phenomenal, the writing's phenomenal, and it keeps you hanging off the edge of your seat.
0: And it still has that artistic value, too. Yeah, like where if you want to look for these little things, you can, but like just like Marie said, guys, if you want to just see a, a fun. You know, story, fun. You know, weird (laughs) hitman romp. This is the show for you too. Like, you can you can still tune out, I think.
1: And if you like acting, I think that they really embodied the.
0: Yeah, some master classes here.
1: Yeah, I I think. I mean, the actors were awesome. The writing allowed the characters. You were able to see their vulnerability because they all had flaws, you know. But it's it's a beautiful thing. And maybe the average moviegoer doesn't give a shit. But I I thought that.
0: they don't yeah but you're right they don't but our people will love it (laughs) i think you know that's the beauty of comedy though going back to that remember i build this the show at the top of the at the top of our show as a dark comedy i think that is that is the thing that will still even if you're a lay watcher or lay listener or whatever you are you don't you don't want you don't want the challenging stuff you don't want the hard to comprehend or stuff you, or, or the opposite stuff you have to analyze. You don't with this too. Mm -mm. You can just have fun. You can sit down. It's still a comedy. Even even though it has evolved, you know, it was the emphasis was on comedy at the beginning. There's still comedy at the end. It's just the emphasis is now a little a little more veered towards the drama. And and tying up all these characters' loosen's and their arcs and and come bring the the story to a close, which they did masterfully. And that's Barry.
1: Yeah, that's what makes it so brilliant.
0: Check it out. The show on HBO or now Max. Barry. Thank you for listening. I want to thank my guest, of course, Miss Marie Parsons for joining us today. But before we go, you know, we got a little extra for you, a little icing on the cake, a little cherry on top with what we call the gym of the week. Before we talk gyms, let's talk their sponsors. Today's gems are brought to you by Zencaster. Zencaster is our go-to tool for remote podcast recordings. What's great is that you can record separate audio and video tracks, and it's all backed up on a secured cloud so you never lose your hard work. Even better, it's easy to use, and there's nothing to download. So go to zen.ai, that's Z-E-N.ai slash Art of the Beholder, or just use promo code Art of the Beholder, and get 30% off your first three months with the pro account. Now back to the gems. Mine is another television show. I have been hearing about what we do in the shadows for so long as, uh, yeah, as a lover of more sitcom kind of comedy shows, like network comedy shows, like in the vein of the office or parks and rec. If you like those shows, you're going to love what we do in the shadows. It's essentially the office with vampires. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Check it out.
1: Um, I have an artist, a musical artist. His name is King. KING Cruel K R U E L I know I know King Cruel oh, okay, yeah great. tell us about him Well he's been around since about 2010 I think he was about 16 when he started he's from England and I I thought of him because I'm actually going to see him in Atlanta uh the first week in September nice. because he really was just touring Europe forever and now he's finally here I get, I guess he's gotten big enough but his genres i guess are indie rock jazz fusion post-punk hip-hop sort of stuff um and he's got this like raspy like punkish you you know his stuff um but i think he's awesome
0: guys check it out and if you like that you can award Always follow us at novadayproductions.com. You can also check us out at underscore novo underscore day and days D E and at novaday media. Don't forget to like subscribe, do all the things you know what to do. We don't, we don't have to tell you. it's, it's, it's fucking etiquette by now. You know what to do. <laughs> and if you'd like to sponsor our little love child or be on the show, you can reach out to us at novaday media at gmail.com. So until next time, we'll see you in the next one. So be good to each other. And as always, good luck and Godspeed. We love you. Art of the Beholder is brought to you by Novo Day Productions. Created and hosted by Novo Day and the Novo Day Collective. Facebook.com slash Novo Day Media. At Novo Day Media on Twitter and Instagram. Music by A Company. Facebook.com AcoMusic123. Aco on Spotify. Logo designed by Tom Justice, J-E-S-T-U-S of thejusticecompany.com. And executively produced by Clayton Anderson. All rights reserved.